The content of this podcast should not be considered financial or investment advice. All interviews and discussions are opinions only, and the podcast has been created without taking into consideration the listener's financial objectives, financial situation, or needs. Listeners should obtain independent advice before making any financial decisions. The Explorers podcast is sponsored by RM Capital, a provider of specialist, small to mid-cap corporate advisory and boutique wealth management services. This is Barry Fitzgerald, Garen Perra columnist Stockhead, where the focus is on active junior miners and explorers. Welcome to another edition of the Explorers podcast. We're off to central New South Wales today, where one of the biggest undeveloped silver deposits in the world is being advanced towards production by silver mines. Silver mines trades under the code SVL or Sierra Victor Lima and last traded at 21.7 cents for a market cap of 260 million. The company owns the Bowden Silver Project, which is all of 26 kilometres east of one of Garimpero's favourite country towns, Mudgee. We've got both a development and exploration story to tell with this one, remembering, as we do, that while the silver price has come off a bit in sympathy with the gold price, the current price of US $23.40 is up nicely from the 2020 average of $21 an ounce and the 2019 average of $16 an ounce. Now, Silver Mines is advancing an open-cut development at Bowdens that will produce 66 million ounces of silver along with zinc and lead credits over a 16.5-year life of mine. But it has also recently highlighted the potential for a higher-grade underground mining operation as well. We've got the company's managing director, Tony McClure, with us today to bring us up to speed on Bowdens and the emerging underground story. G'day, Tony. Thanks for your time today. Thanks, Barry. Glad to be here. Tony, the uh, Open Cup plan, um, it's in the New South Wales approvals process. Where is that at? And importantly, I guess, what is the public support like for the project? And are there any uh, issues the regulators might have at this stage? The process to, for approvals in uh, New South Wales is a you know, normal course of, of business. But you know, just to go back some time, we took over the project some five years ago. We completed the resource drill out um, that moved forward into the feasibility phase the, um, then the environmental impact statement was complete um, uh, last year. Um, that goes through a, um, a review process uh, by government. Uh, public can uh, provide comments into that. Um, then that's reassessed by the, um, by the government before it goes to the Independent Planning Commission. So we're through the bulk of that, um, and we expect that uh, we'll be in the, well, we're in the final throes of the approval process and uh, we expect to have um, some movement in that um, before the end of uh, this year. Um, in terms of the, um, uh, we, we, we've got a, a fairly benign project. It's, it's um, uh, 2 million tonnes a year. The water take isn't, isn't huge. We've, um, like any, any project where you know, water is always um, the operative um, issue, we're not in the desert, so we don't have issues that we mm-hmm. might have in Western New South Wales or or elsewhere in the country, um, we've got reasonable rainfall, um, and we've we've effectively solved um, 100% of our water requirements for the uh, for the development. That's always the most topical thing, and, mm. and for obvious reasons, that's why government and and public and so forth focus on that particular issue. Um, in terms of the, the public support, um, oh, summarise that um, Steve Galilee from the 
uh, Minerals Council New South Wales came out a little while ago and said he doesn't, he's not aware of any other greenfields project in New South Wales to have the public support that, that we have um, ever. So Ooh, okay. um, just um, in terms of the numbers, submissions and so forth, we have about 80% uh, local approval um, for the project. Um, and it's usually the other way around for these sorts of developments. But uh, we have a very, very supportive um, local community and a wider community for um, this development. Okay, that's uh, great to hear. So it's moving along nicely then. Now, I mentioned the underground story in response to some uh, very high-grade material being intersected in three zones below the pit. What's the story there? Yeah, so this you know, dates back as well. So, you know, even before we took over, um, so the previous owners had done a considerable amount of work with the close-to-surface silver, and that's obviously, you know, the, the low-hanging fruit and, and um, you know, it's outcropping from surface, and that's what we've delineated, and that's what we're taking forward for for approvals. But when we first got involved, us as a geological team, and, um, you know, we had a close look at, at um, what... Um, potential there is from an exploration point of view. Yes, we're obviously focused on the silver close to surface, but we wanted to know what was, you know, why is this deposit um, indeed in here and in New South Wales? It's very unusual. You know, silver is an unusual commodity for Australia. It's a byproduct of gold mining, lead zinc mining and so forth. The only real silver uh, project in Australia is the South 32 uh, project in um, Cannington in central Queensland, which is Mm. Um, in its twilight, but um, very unusual to have uh, this sort of resource. It's, it's you know, we're a, a resource-rich nation, but silver is is typically not one of them. So we were, you know, we were um, very in, we were intrigued by, by um, um, the deposit being there. So what we did, and right from the start, we wanted to have a look was what was underneath. You know, is, is it a part of a, a bigger porphyry system? Um, uh, where are the feeder zones? Uh, what are the what what are the structural complexities and all sorts of um, you know information that is typically um, uh, um, sought after to understand these things and very little was known although you know the top 150 meters had been drilled and and was reasonably well known but underneath it was it was unknown so we drill the depth and lo and behold uh, we see the, the the feeder zones we see uh, we've been drilling recently into a um, into intrusive so it's showing that it's uh, almost certainly part of a bigger porphyry system. Um, as we get underneath the current resource, there seems to be a greater tenure of silver. In areas, we see solely silver. Um, um, other areas, it's um, you see um, it's it's aligned with zinc and lead credits as well. As we get a bit deeper, in one area we're drilling at the moment, we're seeing a component of gold. So we're seeing consistent right. values of, of um, you know, point, point 0.2, point 0.3, um, gold and above um, and and so we're drilling that out at the moment and as we get deeper we we even see copper coming into the system um, as we get deeper we you know we're not focusing on that at, at, at the at the moment we're focusing immediately underneath the the open cut pit plan um, and that is showing um, effectively three zones of mineralization um, they're wide some areas are up to sort of 20 30 meters thick um, the, the the grades we're getting are consistent, so consistently over uh, sort of 300 grams silver. Um, we're getting zones which are, um, you know, sort of old school way of, of, of calculating these things, but um, we can start to talk about 
um, ounces per tonne silver. So some areas we get up to a thousand grams uh, silver, which is you know thirty ounces silver, and, and that's mm. that's as that's as good as it gets um, anywhere. So, um, so we're gold, very gold very equivalent would be what half an ounce. Yeah, yeah, something yeah. like that. Um, mm. It's um, it's 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 very rich indeed. So we're drilling out these three zones at the moment. Um, we are um, due to the success over the last six months or so, and you'll see on the on the ASX platform on our website some of the results that have been coming out. We've decided to move um, quicker than ordinarily um, uh, might be done. So typically. You, know, you might complete your drill out and then you do a resource assessment and then you move forward into a scoping study and feasibility and so forth. But we're so highly encouraged by the results to date. We've, um, we've uh, commissioned H&S or Hellman and Schofield to do the resource assessment. So they're advising us on the, on the, um, the definition of, the, of in completing the drill out um, along with our technical team on site. Um, we've also commissioned the scoping study, and that was announced uh, last week. And so that gives you an idea that we're very excited about this. So the scoping study, GR Engineering are handling that, Intech are doing the underground um, just design work. And as I said before, ordinarily you'd wait for the drill out to be complete in the resource assessment. We're, we're so highly encouraged for it. We can, we can maximise the time and have an iterative process to um, hopefully by the end of this year Early next year, we'll have a good idea whether this um, is economically extractable or not. But it's every indication is it's going to be a, a very significant leg up for the um, uh, for the project. So, what does that mean? Does that mean expansion in the future? Yes, it could do. Um, it, it could supplement just you know be a supplement to open pit ore. Uh, we're looking at it um, as as a, a co co project whereby. Rather than looking at a project that commences at the end of the open pit, we're looking at uh, the potential of um, having it operating and coexisting at the same time as the open pit. So supplementing ore and supplementing some of the lower grade material, if we're supplementing that with with, um, uh, super high grade from underground, it's obviously a very material um, uh, matter for um, uh, for the value of the project. Yeah. Uh, I have seen mention of uh, the underground coming in at a, a mining rate of 500,000 tonnes of high-grade feed. Uh, did I get that? Is my thinking right there? Were those 500,000 tonnes or were we talking 500,000 ounces? I can't remember which one it was. but uh, Yeah, fi- uh, it's 500,000 tonnes. Um, mm. So that, that, that'd be, that, that, that's, you know, very, yeah, that's scoped out um, as a, a bit of a wish list in a way mm. on what it could be. So 500 tonnes per annum of that super high grade material. The open cut and the processing plant has been developed for a 2 million tonne um, open cut plan. So um, we can pull back on the open cut mining and supplement with that half a million tonnes uh, from underground or you know, potentially it could be addition, additional. But yeah, that, that's all part yep. of the scoping study and what, what it's for designed sure. to do and, um, and to op- optimise. But d- d- just to be clear, Barry, the, the, the concept is to bring it bring it into play during the, the, the path of the open cut development and not wait until the end of the open yeah. cut and then go underground. Um, we yeah. can bring that forward and the supplement of high-grade feed is um, potentially very material for us. Okay. And in the, these uh, underground zones, is, are we expecting any differences in metallurgy? Oh, almost certainly, particularly Bandara. Uh, that's the area that we're drilling at the moment, which has got a, um, 
a gold tenure to it. Um, it's also got um, a reasonable amount of zinc and lead, uh, which is a little bit different to the open cut ore. Um, the other two areas we're drilling, which is the high grade northwest high grade zone and the Argean zone, they're both pretty similar. In, in fact, we think they're probably linked and we're drilling. There's a space between those two zones about, about 200 metres, which is unknown. Um, and we're drilling between those two, but we think they're linked. So likely to be very similar uh, metallurgically uh, wise. Um, keep, keep in mind the, the open cut development and the processing plant we're developing there is a, a very simple conventional um, mm-hmm. Uh, feed, flotation plant, um, you know, capturing lead, zinc, silver, of course, uh, producing two concentrates. We don't see anything radical um, underground that's going to change that at all. Uh, a bit of a scratch at the head at the moment is, is what we do with the Bandara zone with gold. Um, if we're producing that uh, material, well, that's, um, I'd like to think that's a nice problem to have. Yeah, absolutely. Over life of mine, the uh, zinc and lead production is quite substantial. You've got to be happy with the zinc price at the moment. Lead's not far. Yeah, in, in, indeed, and and you know, it's it's just interesting. You know, obviously we're we're in an approval process, um, and we're not um, specifically out there um, soliciting for um, project finance or um, off takes or, or or whatever. Um, we have been in discussions uh, with a few groups, uh, but that's that's you know approaches to us really and and long term relationships and, and and whatever. But um, we get to really push that um, out in the market, but it's encouraging to see the, uh, particularly for the product. Um, so the demand for this sort of product, so the zinc zinc concentrate can go off to Tasmania, it can go to you know anywhere in Asia or, or anywhere in the world for that matter. Mm. Um, it's not a huge part, a component of, of uh, deliverables, but the the, the lead silver uh, concentrate, you know, the obvious market is is Port Pirie in South Australia, and that can be you know, railed uh, from New South Wales down to um, South Australia. So we're looking at that, but um, yeah, you know, it's encouraging to see um, the the um, you know approaches from um, further afield uh, looking at projects like these. And and yeah, you know, there's not too many projects like this out there. You know, the, there's yeah, you know, there's a few projects in developed in, in development in Mexico and and, and elsewhere, but. Yeah, you know, this is a this is a big project. It's it's one of the world's largest silver projects, and and so you'd expect the market to be particularly interested in it. And um, I mean, we're seeing that um, uh, very clearly at this stage. So yeah, that'll only you know, get busy as we get into next year, and as we have approvals um, and we get into definitive engineering and and financing, it's uh, it's going to be an interesting period for us as we as we um, break the back of of, of that uh, pre development work. Mm. Now, um, you guys were pretty smart, I reckon, raising $30 million back in February. I reckon it uh, puts you beyond the current uncertainty around precious uh, metals prices. I'm just wondering, where where did you see the weight of support for that $30 million raise come from? Well, uh, yeah, um, both locally and, and, and offshore. Um, I, I think... Um, uh, um, the, the local market is um, has been quite educated over some time in in the silver market and you know keep in mind it's not like the gold market it's, it's very much smaller compared to gold mm-hmm. but the um, in an upswing environment that we have um, we've obviously you know in the midst of a bull run in silver it's come off the last you know a few weeks whatever we're not too concerned about that but the mm-hmm. long-term outlook is is highly encouraging you look at the last silver cycle that was um, 
uh, quite spectacular. We're at the start of uh, this cycle now, we believe, and the leverage um, is, is not, not holding the medal, but it's, it's, it's holding equities. Um, the pool of companies is very much North American, which uh, control and own a big part of the Central American and um, South American uh, projects, but the bulk of them are listed in North America. And the leverage there is is um, uh, can be outstanding. So local local funds have, have been involved, the likes of Regal and Paradise and and others. Um, but we've had um, significant interest from you know Sprott out of North America. Um, we've had um, Extract uh, come in in that in that latest listing. Gold two thousand out of the, which is the Conwave uh, fund out of. Out of out of Zurich, um, all participated, but it's you know very encouraging to see yeah. um, greater um, um, offshore support for uh, projects like these. In that capital raise, you know, we, we we raised that as you pointed out, we raised that thirty million dollars. We actually had applications of over a hundred million. Um, it was quite extraordinary. Quite well, you extraordinary. didn't take it. <laughs> <laughs> well, we, we did. We didn't need it. We didn't need it. But um, you know, thirty million dollars, a good position for us. We've, we've yeah. got. Options being exercised and so forth. So we, we going yeah. forward and through at least at the end of next year, we see pretty much will be maintaining that cash balance. Okay. Now, um, Barabola, ten kilometres northwest of Burdens. What, what have you got there? Yeah. So that, that that's something that was um, Anglo had a look at uh, back in the nineteen seventies, and a, a few others have had a poke around at it. Um, but that, that is um, something that when we got involved, we were intrigued by some of the historical work that had been done in terms of um, highlighting prospects and old mines and, and that sort of thing. Not a huge amount of work was done. But when we got involved, we, we got back out there and, and mapped the areas and all these little prospects that were around in, the, in quite a large area. Um, we pieced it together and, and uh, you know, uh, mapping, geochem work, uh, we did some initial drilling up there. But we've clearly shown um, that this is part of a um, a large gold copper um, system, porphyry system. Um, we've got it outcropping. We see that. Uh, that was noticed back in the 70s, but nothing was done about it. Mm-hmm. Um, we haven't been working up there recently, and that's mainly due to um, other people's freehold and us being you know, very careful about COVID and, yeah, and right. so forth. But um, we're targeting we get back in there um, after this bout of COVID. Uh, COVID. Um, so... Um, uh, but that, that that's a, um, a you know a longer term project. Uh, we've got a uh, when we gear up again, we've got a very very interesting drilling program that will come. Um, you know, hopefully in this, in in this half year or early next year, we'll be able to uh, get our teeth back into it. But it's um, very much you know it's the it's the Lachlan fold belt. It's the same as what we see around Orange, whatever. We don't know whether we've got a. Acadia or anything like that, of course, but um, it's the same rocks, same age, same structures, same mineralisation styles, and virtually no work has been done um, until we did the initial surface work. So, uh, very exciting project. Obviously, you know our priorities are with the silver mine development, what's going on underneath. But um, um, it's it, what's happening up up north. There is is um, is very exciting as well, and and all of our work on the on the silver side is on our own freehold, so mm-hmm. we have our protections there and so forth. Um, but working on um, um, outside and other people's freehold, we're particularly careful in that, as as everyone I'm sure can understand. Mm, yeah, nothing wrong with the second leg when uh, you're shooting for big prizes. Um, mm. 
And that made me wonder about Tuina uh, near Orange, apparently a yeah. McPhillamy's type goal play. Yeah, well, they, yeah, that's an interesting play. We, we didn't have great success in our first campaign down there, but more work needs to be done. So we're, we've got an acreage position. Um, I think it's around about two, uh, 750 square kilometres now. So, And that's extending from um, immediately south. So our t- tenure adjoins McPhillamy's. So um, big big gold mine development happening there by Regal. Um, and we, we, we hold a, a significant position adjoining there and extending uh, further to the south. Further to the south, we, we did some initial drilling on some um, uh, on some old, old, old drill workings that were there. Um, we're planning further work. It's more regional work um, that we'll be looking at initially. Um, and we're looking at you know, other opportunities nearby as well. But that belt down there, you know, there's been a huge history in the district north of, of McPhillamy's. Obviously, McPhillamy's is well understood now is going through its approval process. It's a couple okay. of million answers now, yeah? Yeah, yeah, no, it was significant. And, um, and uh, yeah, they're, they're in the final stages of their approvals. But north of there, you've, you've, or to the northwest, you've got Cadia, and you've got a, an area of New South Wales that's been very well understood and combed over. Lots of, you know, there's been failed juniors out there and whatever, but there's been, you know, there's a... Um, uh, it, it is a big system. Um, Cadia is obviously the you know, the jewel in the crown, and um, uh, but you know, what McPhillamy's have there is 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 significant. But when you head south of McPhillamy's, virtually no work has been done. You know, there's been a little bit of work for your juniors poking around, whatever. Uh, but we're on the same structure as McPhillamy's. Um, the the Copperhania thrust is is something that we've been uh, looking at for many years and and uh, have 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 interest in. Uh, but it's just astounding that you see, um, you know, people think that New South Wales has been properly combed over or whatever. Well, yes, it has in, in some of the, you know, the hotter centres of Cobar and Orange and so forth. But, you know, some, you know that area to the south of McPhillam is, is, is virtually untouched. And, mm. you know, that small drilling program we did, we had, we had a little bit of, you know, we had some, some success out of that. But, um, uh, but really... That was the the first work in that in that belt south of McPhillamy's that have been done uh, since some of these old mines closed a hundred years ago. You guys seem to bring a deep uh, geological bent to everything you do, rather than just rocking up to an old prospect and poking around. <laughs> yeah, no, indeed, and yeah, that's a big part of what we do, and we've got a fantastic young team. It, it, it's it, it's great to. Yeah, you know, to to have a project, we are, we've we've worked around the world and we've had you know good success elsewhere on the globe, and it's fantastic to have a quality project close to home. The other mm. important thing, as you pointed out, uh, Barry is you know Mudgee's a good place, right? And mm. um, you know we're outside of Mudgee, we're about half an hour's drive, and um, uh, but that allows um, that encourages uh, uh, the quality people to come and work for us. So um, we've had uh, you know there's there's a um, yeah, the mining industry is often you know remote and middle of nowhere, and um, and can be difficult for um, for people. But yeah, we've mm. got a, a strong, stable, um, uh, uh, great workforce, um, and and as we move forward into project development, um, it's fantastic to yeah uh, yeah we're 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 at the southern end of of. Um, of the Hunter Valley, we're outside outside of the Hunter Valley, but yeah, you know, the region does have significant coal mining, and as that gets phased out, 
The wine's um, not too bad either. <laughs> yeah, wine's not too bad, but you know, the opportunities for local people and um, people from further afield to come and work in a in a great jurisdiction, um, great project, and whatever it's it's uh, it's it's good to be able to encourage that. Um, as I say, being you know we're only three and a half hours, four hours from from Sydney, um, so it's um, it's not as remote as as um, other places, and you know, and, and and we're in between, you know, the likes of Musselbrook and Orange, where you've got mm. all the infrastructure in the world. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, for mining. Okay, then, Tony. Bring it home for us and uh, just give investors an idea what they should be looking out for as uh, the rest of 21 unfolds. Yeah, so, yeah, the, the, the drilling is, is continuing. So the current program is 30,000 metres. We've, we've got four rigs on site um, at the moment, uh, diamond rigs. So we've got a very aggressive drilling program, um, drilling the three uh, zones directly under the open cut, and that's obviously uh, uh, developing... Uh, quite nicely, so uh, you can review some of the um, uh, recent results we have. But we expect that you know, through the balance of this year um, and early into next year, that those results are going to continue. What's going to be particularly topical is the drill out between the northwest uh, zone and the Argean zone. Yep. As, I, as I mentioned before, you got two hundred metres there that's uh, pretty much unknown. We expect it's going to be co- connected. Um, that's a very material um, exercise. Uh, for us, the p- progress of the um, of the scoping study um, is very topical for us. That won't be complete um, uh, by the end of this year. We, we see that early early in the next year, but I think that's going to be very topical for us going forward. I think a lot of the commentary we have back at the moment is, you know, people being concerned about the you know the, the precious metals market and 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 whatever. Um, yeah, we, yeah, obviously we, we, we don't influence that at all and, and being a mine developer, it's, it's all about cost control and you know, if we're producing silver at well below 10 US an ounce, well, that's fine, we'll always make money and, and that's good. But yeah, there's some of the, yeah, the rhetoric out there and um, uh, for precious metals and, and our view is, is you know, when you've got a high inflationary environment and you know, you've got the governments, the US, whatever, printing money, whatever, and, and fueling that inflationary environment. Yeah, there's, is there a better place than precious metals? Um, mm. Importantly for us, the leverage, and I touched on it before just, just, just very quickly, the leverage you have from silver is astounding. So you see, you know, you see um, silver go up um, uh, $5. You'll see the equities in North America. And we're no different in a way. We traded a significant discount to our peers in North America. But the equities pe- uh, perform um, uh, very well indeed compared to uh, the golds. So... Um, keep, mm. keep an eye on that. Obviously, you know, Silver Mines Limited, um, we're, the, we're the only you know, silver company of substance. Fantastic to see some of the North American funds coming coming into our register and, and obviously they're seeing um, significant value in that. And, that, and, that, and that's not just from that recent placement, Noel, back in February. Um, we see, um, we're seeing buying in the market um, from offshore and, and that's... Um, Great to see. So I think we've got a spectacular period going ahead, and um, and uh, I think this um, this uh, bull run in the silver market is is really at its infancy. Mm, particularly when <clears throat> overnight you've got the US approving what one point two trillion infrastructure spend. Um, don't know where they're getting the money from. So. Yeah, well they're printing the money. They're printing yeah. the money, and and that's what's fueling inflation. So. Yeah. 
if, that, if that's not a perfect storm for precious metals, I don't know what is. Yeah, exactly. It's probably a good point to end it all. Tony, thanks for that. That was a great rundown on what really is the missing link in this market, a uh, dedicated silver producer of scale. So we'll watch with interest both the development story and the unfolding exploration story. So good luck with it all. Thanks for your time. Thanks so much, Barry.